The Offseason Podcast is presented by Line and Kugels. Since 1867, Line and Kugels has been brewing some of the most delicious, refreshing beers around. And right now, you can get yourself a Snowdrift Vanilla Porter. A full-bodied brew with hints of cocoa, coffee, and caramel brought out by roasted malts and aged on real vanilla. It's the Line and Kugel Snowdrift Vanilla Porter. It's smooth, it's creamy, and it's making it ideal for winter. So raise one to winner with Line and Kugels. Welcome to the Liney side. Jacob Line and Kugel Brewing Company, Chippewa Falls, Wisconsin. Please enjoy your Lineys responsibly. Super Bowl is the main topic on the docket today. Want to talk 49ers and Chiefs. The big game is Sunday. We reflect on the life of Kobe Bryant. Some NBA um, aficionados in the room, obviously, with Blake and Brad. We have a guest in studio from NBC 25. Jonathan Deutsch will join us on this week's show. So a lot to get to. Let's get it started here on the Offseason Podcast. ESPN 100.9 FM presents the Off-Season Podcast, recorded every week inside the ESPN 100.9 FM studios, high atop Dow Diamond. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, or at ESPN1009.com. It is the Off-Season Podcast, episode number 188. Going to be with you on a Friday night on the radio station on ESPN 100.9 FM, following our SVL Game of the Week coverage presented by Covenant Healthcare. We're sitting down a day early to accommodate the schedule of our guest visiting us in the studio this week. He is one Jonathan Deutsch. Jonathan, good to have you back. Oh, glad to be here. Sorry to make you adjust your calendar, change no, your schedule. It's okay. Our Fridays are, are now wide open, and uh, we'll all leave at lunch. <laughs> oh. and it'll be great. We'll just take the day off. Some Might of us nice. have to work on a Friday night. Yeah, well, some of us put in early hours as well between 9 and noon. Not not much up here in the radio station. Wow. So that's okay. But uh, Blake Froling, Brad Tunney as, uh, as well with us here in the uh, studios high atop Dow Diamond. Uh, we're on Twitter, DeVries underscore Matt, B. Froling, Brad underscore Tunney, and Jonathan D underscore TV, right? That's right. Okay, there it is. Uh, you can find our show wherever you get your podcasts. The radio station is on Twitter, ESPN1009. And check out the website, that is ESPN1009.com. So, a lot to get to on today's show, but Jonathan, uh, it's been a while since we've had you on the show. I think, uh, what's it been, a year? A little over a year. About probably. that, yeah, somewhere in there. Because when did you get here to uh, to the region? I started in June of 2018. Yeah, so it's probably been a year and a half since yeah. we had you on right when you got here and haven't had you back since. I made such a lasting impression the first time, I guess, you know, you just wanted me to come back we, so we, soon. Uh, we had Adam Jackson fill in for Brad last week when he was gone with, uh, with the Northwood basketball team. Adam hadn't, been, Adam hadn't been on the show since, I think, episode 20 or 25, So, and we're on episode 188, so... He had missed out on a good 150 episodes. So I, I would say you're in good hands being that, brought back a lot sooner. That sounds that. like a bigger gap than what I had. Yeah, so. and really no excuse to not have you and Adam both back a lot sooner than, than we have. Oh, well, that's very nice of you. Things are good over at 25 yeah, and 66? Everything's going well. New brand, mid-Michigan now. That's right. So it's right. a little less confusing. Yes. You can find it all under one name. That way people aren't wondering who we are. Are the, uh, are the phone lines getting tons of complaints at the station saying, why did you change it? I don't know what's going on. No, it's more so, why is he still on TV talking about sports? <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. 
if people are calling. They are I don't, calling. I don't answer the phone. That's good. That's good. <laughs> Very true. Okay, uh, so let's get on with today's show. Um, I want to talk with Jonathan about some of the stuff he's been involved in in the last year and a half here in Michigan. We want to talk about the Super Bowl, uh, but I do want to give uh, you guys on the other side of the table the three of you, Jonathan included, much bigger NBA fans than myself, and I do want to give you guys the opportunity to uh, kind of give your reaction and thoughts on uh, the news that broke over the weekend of the the loss of Kobe Bryant and the helicopter crash in California, taking nine lives, him and his daughter Gigi, uh, both passing away in that accident. And the news, really kind of when it first came out, Brad, you were kind of just texting Blake and myself saying, is this real? TMZ is the first one to report it. And we're just like, we don't know what's going on. And within the hour, you know, reports started to trickle in. And then once Woj confirmed it, everyone kind of started to, the reality kind of set in for everybody considering that this is real. And Kobe Bryant passed away in a helicopter accident. Yeah. It didn't take long for it to uh, be confirmed in a way that you felt confident that it was true. TMZ first reporting the first mention that I saw of it. I have tweet alerts on my phone for, almost a dozen NBA guys. So every time they tweet, I get I get an alert to my phone. And the first one was Kevin O'Connor from The Ringer who uh, said, please don't let the Kobe news be true. And at that point, there wasn't really anything on, the, on Twitter about it except for the TMZ thing. He had picked it up pretty quickly. Um, and from there, you, you kind of trusted it. And like I think it was Richard Jefferson who had his father pass away a year ago, and it was TMZ who broke that news. And... Like Richard, RJ, after the fact, was just like, look, like I believed it 100% right away because I had lived that at TMZ report before. And um, like whatever you think about TMZ, like that's what they do. They break news and they do it pretty credibly more times than not. Um, so, yeah, it was it was shocking that day. I was I was stuck to the couch for a while on Sunday. Yeah, it was it was weird. I was grocery shopping and I'm sure Blake was hanging out or were you visiting family at home or were you just sitting home watching college basketball, I think. Yeah. When the news came through. Were you at work? I was. And I was just kind of frozen at my desk. Yeah. And I couldn't look away from Twitter trying to yeah. see probably like everybody else, was it real, was it not? Yeah. And it was it was hard because they're at times, you know, a lot of media are measured in scenarios like this, but there's usually um, one or two outlets or one or two erroneous reports floating around out there, and that seemed to be the case early on. Some At one point, it was Kobe's entire family was involved in the accident, which thankfully that wasn't the case, but still a, a very tough day, and it's really been a tough week. It's been felt across the NBA and really across the sports world. On Sunday, you know, seeing the Tiger Woods was told by his caddy walking to his interview with CBS. Cassius Winston was told on the floor by Tom Izzo live on television before he goes to talk on the floor with Andy Katz after their win in Minnesota. So, like, a lot of these people and, and significant figures in sports were involved in their competitions before they even found out the news. And I think, Blake, it's just been... This was kind of a week of of reflection, and you know the Lakers went you know cautiously silent on social media, just trying to absorb the news. And Shaq with the comments that he had coming out, you know, it, just so many people. LeBron James learning on the plane coming back from Philadelphia. There were just so many different scenarios with the way this news broke early morning on Sunday. It's been felt for days. You know, we're we're sitting down here on Thursday, and we're still feeling the effects of it. Yeah, this feels like the. The biggest or most impactful celebrity death, even beyond just the sports world, in a number of years. We were having a discussion earlier, maybe since Michael Jackson, but maybe even more surprising than that. Because with Michael Jackson, you know, you hadn't really heard much from him. You know, he was kind of a weird dude. 
But with Kobe, it, it seemed like the second part of his life post-NBA was going to be so fruitful. He'd already won an Oscar. He was doing so many things with his kids and helping to grow the game of basketball. He was becoming such a developed person off the court that you just thought he's got decades of this and his off the court life might end up overshadowing what he did on the floor and then just a a tragedy that he never got to realize that Mm -hmm. and it really comes out Jonathan in the days after where you know you knew from some of the interviews that he had done um, but maybe they just don't hit the way they they do at the time as they do now after you know he's lost in, in an accident but the way that he was so committed to being a father and you know, loved having, you know, all of the girls in his life and his family. He said, I wouldn't trade my daughters for anything. And, you know, he made that joke on Jimmy Kimmel about somebody saying, you need to have a boy to carry on your legacy. He's like, I don't need any boys. My my girls and Gigi are going to do just fine with that. So it was kind of, I think that's where it hits a little extra. He was a bigger than life star. And, you know, you, you go back and watch the highlights and that is certainly apparent. Uh, but, there was so much more to the life of Kobe Bryant than just the game of basketball that we saw in highlights on SportsCenter. And it's interesting, too, that you mentioned that character. That's what you hear the most about, right? It's not, man, look at how good this guy's jump shot was. They Most of the comments have been, what a loving father, you know, what a teacher and a role model he was. And the other difficult thing about somebody's character like that is at 25 years old, he has this major controversy right. in Colorado. And some people don't know how to handle that and it's a big thing and and you don't want to overlook it but people have made mistakes and and what a i mean a turnaround to be well liked by everybody cuz people did not like him at that time obviously and i think a lot of teammates at one point probably didn't like him in the locker room because of his demanding and and controlling personality in a way but when something like this happens you really realize okay Let's take a step back. Let's see how he truly impacted my life or how he helped me. Like those people that had those personal relationships with him. And all you hear about is, especially post-career of playing basketball, how good of a father was he was, how good of a husband he was, how mm-hmm. much he cared about helping the younger guys and that knowledge he accumulated sharing that. Mm-hmm. And it's just a, it's a, I mean, it's so sad and it's such a tragedy. You think about those other three girls, you think about Vanessa, it's, it's, it's one of those moments that I think we'll all kind of remember where we were. Mm. And I think that first feeling of your heart sinking, you'll, you'll feel that for some time. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you even took the time on Sunday night to put together kind of a retrospective of his, his life and career. Was it Sunday or Monday that you, that you put that together? That would have been Sunday night. Okay. And, um, you know, I, I, I had to think about whether or not, it was, you know, we have such a limited time on TV to actually talk about things. And I had to think about, is it worth 60 seconds to 90 seconds of the time I have, mm-hmm. you know, for somebody who more or less does not have a connection to mid Michigan. Sure. Right. He played against the Pistons or whatever else, but I mean, what are his connections? Philly, LA, Italy, right. right? Mm-hmm. You know, for, in terms of mm-hmm. geographical connections and um, the ultimate decision I came to was, Look at all the people outside of basketball that are commenting. Look at the celebrities from other aspects of fame, you know, musicians, actors, anything else. Kobe was a bigger-than-life presence to them. Mm. So, I mean, culturally, it's global. So it felt like 
this is a gigantic moment. Blake mentioned this might be on par when we found out about Michael. Um, I think you could put it up there when we found out about Prince. Mm-hmm. And then if you want to go back even further, maybe Princess Die. Like this is a global story and it was worth a minute to 90 seconds of talking about what his life was and trying to take these 41 years and put it in perspective. Mm-hmm. Is there is there something, Blake and Brad, I'll give you this and then we can... Uh, we can kind of uh, put a put a wrap on on the the opening segment of the show. Was there something that stuck out to you this week that you've seen on social media? Because all four of us are are Twitter advocates. We love the platform. We we live on it and we follow it by the minute, by the hour. And there's been so many, um, you know, comments and tweets and videos and highlight reels and different things. Was there one or two things that stuck out to you that really struck you as? wow, this really encompasses Kobe's legacy, or wow, that was really touching, or that was really well said by by somebody like that. Uh, I think of the, uh, is it L. Duncan at ESPN when she mm-hmm. kind of made that that comment about the the comment of him being a father and loving his girls, and, and that one has really struck me, and that's what kind of has really stuck with me through this first week. Yeah, that one was really good and really well done. Uh, I really liked hearing Shaq talk on Inside the NBA a couple days ago when he talked about just the range of emotions he went through when he found out. And then, you know, also thinking Rick Fox was also on that helicopter because that was a rumor too. And what he must've been going through with his family calling him saying, Oh my gosh, are you alive? And he's like, what, what the heck are you talking about? Mm -hmm. And, And Jack hearing all that news and a guy that he had such a complicated relationship. But I mean, he, he mentioned he's, he's glad they kind of buried the hatchet and, were on friendly terms because can you imagine someone you were so close with with so many years ending things on a bad note and then something like this happens where you never get that chance to to make up or say I'm sorry and and just the whole way he described it I think really hit me the most. Brad was there one thing that that struck you and I know it's been something that has really encompassed you know your your life and on Twitter the last couple days just really trying to absorb everything. Yeah. I'll end up being really long-winded here, unfortunately. But the uh, a, <laughs> a, a lot of things here. Um, one, in terms of the magnitude of what I, I think the reason why this hits home with so many people, especially people, sports people, and especially NBA people, but even more so than that, like you watch a two-hour movie and you see a, a father-daughter pass away, or you watch a TV show, you spend 10 weeks on a TV show, or you spend two hours on a movie – and those movies do well to take emotions out of you that you cry at the end of a movie. And you've only invested two hours into that story. Happened to me this week, actually. Sure. <laughs> like I'm serious. Sometimes you cry with the passing of a dog in the movie. Like, a lot of people cry at Marley and me, whatever Ooh, it may be. Like, that is tough. Movies in two hours can suck emotion out of you. Yeah. Kobe was a, a movie star, but in real life. It was a real story, and it was 20 years. And I think of, like just the greater why this has hit home for so long. Like, especially in today when you could have an epic amount of news come down, a a big story that we haven't hit in this country for 50 years, and it moves through the news cycle in 24 hours. Mm. And for some, like, this Kobe death has lasted for four days, and it's going to last weeks. It's going to last till the end of the NBA season Mm -hmm. for people that aren't even involved in basketball. And I think it... It's a real-life movie person, uh, someone that we connected with for 20 years, and especially for his hardened fans in L.A. and in Philly and in other big pockets of the country that 
This this was a two-hour movie that took 20 years for you to gain deep emotional attachment to. And then without the ability to see it coming, it ended mm-hmm. in, a, in a snap. And just thinking about the magnitude of that can bring you to tears, right? And I think about, like, I wasn't a, a big Kobe fan as a player, he obviously played against the Pistons in the 04 finals. We wanted to beat him down, right? Like that was when my fandom started in the NBA was in 04. It was because Kobe failed in those finals as like we talk about all the mm-hmm. time. Kobe as a player was not someone who I really loved and I think Nick Wright talked about it last week too. It was like or this past week. We spent so long comparing Michael to Kobe and like just just diminishing Kobe's career cuz he wasn't those guys when you know, as sports people, sure, that's what the conversation is at all times, but it's never until they're done playing who they are as people outside of that. And I, I have a little journal that my girlfriend and I keep before we go to bed at night. And one of the questions was last week before his passing was who inspires you. And even though I didn't care for Kobe as a player, for whatever reason, Kobe popped into my head. Hmm. And I've never been a Kobe basketball fan again, but for whatever reason, I was asked that question in this little journal entry and Kobe popped in my head. And I thought back to, uh, in fact, a Barstool interview he did with PFT. And you guys have probably heard the, the podcast. With, with Big Cat and A-Rod. Yeah, which was outstanding and, and did a good job of talking about his post-NBA life. And the most inspiring part for me, and then learning about his post-basketball endeavors through that podcast and and researching them more was, I think all of us struggle with like, where are we going in life? What are we doing with our careers? You know, what's the point sometimes of of different avenues? And Kobe Bryant grew up his entire life with with a deep ambition to be the best basketball player in the world. And he got there. He reached the peak and then didn't fall. Like there were bigger peaks for him after reaching a lifelong ambition after that, which is as inspiring as anything I could ever think of, the fact that it's not over, even after you've reached the highest mountain of your life, that you can reinvent, re-motivate, recalibrate your expectations and find something new. And that's what he did as a father. That's what he did as a businessman. So in terms of inspiration, like that's something because of his passing, unfortunately, that I'll, I'll take with me forever. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people will. Mm-hmm. One of the reason I think he was this one hits so hard for a lot of us too, is he was maybe the first real larger than life star we had in the internet age, right? Where mm-hmm. everything he did was accessible. Mm-hmm. Every play, every game, every highlight was on sports center. I mean, for those of us who are 35, 40 and younger, like this was the guy we saw the most in the NBA season. So even if you didn't have that connection of being his fan or whatever it is, he was still always there. Right. And now that's gone. Mm-hmm. And that's a weird, that's a, obviously it's an incredibly sad feeling, but it's just a weird thing to think about that. Like you said, for 20 years, this guy was always there. And whether you liked him or you didn't like him as a player, you respected what he did. Right. He was present. He was present in your lives. He was present in your parents' lives and they may not be NBA or sports fans. Like he was present in all of our lives. That's why like, I think Tony Reale too had a, did a great job of explaining why, you know, people grieve for people they've never met. Like, because Mm -hmm. I think about, again, not a great Kobe fan as a player and how attached I am to LeBron James. 
mm-hmm. for a lot of our generation, how attached we are to LeBron. And if this was LeBron mm. and never met the guy, never had any personal connection, he's, he's a larger-than-life figure. I would lose it for a long time if this if this was LeBron unexpectedly like this, right? Like LeBron's a guy that I talk about, text about, look at online every day of my life. Like whether that's obsessive or not, that's just what it is. Like he is that <laughs> present in our lives. Whether I watch him, talk about him, like he's a huge part of our lives. Yeah. And I think about that for LA fans who he was there for for 20 years yeah. with that attachment. It's just unbelievable to think about. And then his and then his wife and his kids too. It's 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 unbelievable to think about. Yeah, it's it's hard to kind of put into context what type of impact he could have had in the next 25 or 30 years beyond what he had already mm-hmm. been able to do with his playing career and even just the short, what was it, maybe five years after, it's been five years since he retired, mm-hmm. something like that, or around that time. You know, the, just the amount of impact that he's been able to have on sports in general, media, and, you know, the relationship he was starting to have with Nike post basketball and and just the impact that he would have on the next generation of basketball players to then, you know, think wow, there could have been so much more of that and mm-hmm. you know, I think it's it's said a lot when when people pass away unexpectedly like this, but I think to to a fault this is gone too soon. Like like just robbed of a, of a life for that could have been so much more fulfilling if given, you know, another another 10, 15, 20 years whatever it was, but to have someone like Kobe Bryant of his magnitude and stature and in, in the world in general to be gone in his early 40s is is really really sad. So we'll turn the page. We'll uh, we'll dissect uh, the Super Bowl a little bit later, and we'll get into some some other stuff in the sports media landscape. That's next on the offseason podcast. Back here on the offseason podcast, episode 188 here on your local sports leader, ESPN 100.9 FM. Matt DeVries, Blake Froling, Brad Tunney joined in studio by our guest this week, Jonathan Deutsch from NBC 25 and Fox 66. That's mid-Michigan now uh, for you folks out there on Twitter, on social media. You can find all of his work there. You can follow him on Twitter at Jonathan D underscore TV. So I want to get into uh, a couple things about uh, your life now that you've come up to uh, to Michigan in the last year and a half. Um you and your uh, your lovely girlfriend Deandra is now up here as well right. in uh, in the region, and we're gonna playing dodgeball together over the weekend. Brad Tunney's still a maybe on our team. <laughs> I'm always a maybe until the day of for everything. Well, I, I kind of we need you to sign a release form, and so we got to get. A, a, he's afraid of commitment, right? Very tough on commitment. You might be late for a shirt though, so you may have to just drag out a Northwood baby blue shirt. Is that, is that the color powder blue? We're, we're apparently very light blue. Is the I've got a Northwood football tee. May have to have you rock that Carolina blue. I don't, yeah. I'd love it to be Carolina blue. I'm picturing like almost white blue. That's white. what the Northwood blue is. Almost white blue. It's Carolina blue. Yeah, I know, but yeah. I don't think our team's going to be that. Oh. I don't know what color to wear right now. <laughs> Black. We're a mess. Black shirt. I can do that. <laughs> okay, so let's get into it. I want to lead off with something that I saw uh, a couple months ago or a month ago, um, and I thought it was really cool. Uh, shared it on my Twitter and. I've seen other people do this, um, but it was the first time I think I had seen someone in Michigan do this. You did kind of a twas the night before Christmas, but a spin on Michigan sports. And so that was something that you aired, what, Christmas Eve? Christmas Eve, yeah. On 25 and 66. Uh, how, how long was it? Was it two minutes? I forgot uh, about that. That was sick. Oh, well, thank it was you. Really yeah. cool. <laughs> well, thank you very much. Uh, it was just under the 220 threshold for Twitter. So That's what you got to do. That's... That was the goal, I guess. Okay. <laughs> and it aired in full on, it on aired television? In full. Yeah, because 
Christmas Eve, there's not a ton happening in the in the world of sports. Everybody kind of slows down you a little cover bit. cover Santa. So I could cover – well, we have a weather guy to cover Santa oh, Tracker right. and how fast he goes and the atmosphere and everything like that. So um, it's something I kind of started doing back at my last job and try to do the, the local things. Which was where? where in was Topeka, Kansas. Okay. Um, and, and it was. I really enjoyed my almost four years in Topeka. Um Last tw- last 365 days in Michigan sports? Pretty, m- pretty much just for the calendar year, yeah. So um, just tried to keep some notes and, and look things up in our archive and, and what we have and what was big and try to find random things, not necessarily – I mean, you have to include the big stuff. If mm-hmm. somebody wins a, a national championship, that's obviously going to go in there. Like Michigan State in the Final Four went in there. Um, but then some random things that were funny. CMU baseball having – practice on a snowy field or um icy field an icy field yeah because they were on skates they were on they? skates right? yeah so uh finding just random thing you know unionville seaboying softball winning on a walk-off triple play like that's a super cool moment that at the at the time everybody was like this is awesome yeah well now we're six months seven months later hey let's remember that even if it's only for five eight seconds whatever sure. it is so i just try to put stuff together and add a little festive music yeah. and uh I record it, and then I don't have to talk for two and a half minutes live. I can just play that and let people enjoy the poem. Better to do records than live. Fix it in post. Yeah. <laughs> Could you recite it all right now? Not at all. No. I mean, I have it saved on my on my drive or whatever. I could go find it. No, yeah. I want a live performance. Oh, there's no way I could do that. How uh, long? So how long? This is what I wanted to ask you. How long did it take to put together? Is this like a week, week and a half, a uh, day? So to write it probably took... 20 to 30 minutes. Mm. About. That's wow. pretty fast. Yeah. So if you, cause I, so I start, like I said, I started doing it in Kansas and I know, you know, I, I had a feeling I'd be working around Christmas, especially with, uh, when the bowl game was and, and my boss, Gina having to travel and everything else. So I figured, all right, be ready just in case. So I started kind of logging some moments that happened and a lot of them don't make it. So I, I would just keep a, just a document of, Hey, remember this. And, you know, come December 21st or 2nd, I looked at it and I was like, okay, let's try to put something down. Mm. And then you just kind of try to come up with some rhymes to things that happened with that. And I try to make every stanza have a rhyme scheme to it. Right. And I don't know, 20, 30 minutes, whatever it was. And then it takes longer to find all the video and, yeah. and lay it down. So I don't know, in grand total, maybe 90 minutes, two hours. Okay, that's a lot faster than I thought. Yeah. I, I would picture you starting this like, a week out and like just continually working on it each shift until it's where it needs to be. That's, that's I, impressive. I, I write it all out, record my voice, yep. throw the music under, and then you just go find the clips and lay them over and try to see what works hmm. and, and try to time it out. So not as much time. Well, well done. But once, well, thank you. But once you've done it for five or four or five years, it gets easier and easier, right? Yeah. So, well, I'm, I'm glad y'all liked it. And I'm glad you watched. It was, it was very cool. Yes, I enjoyed it a lot. So, uh, now that you've had a chance to be here, I do want to ask you, from an outsider's perspective, maybe not mm-hmm. as familiar with uh, with Jim Harbaugh and the history of Michigan football. So, we'll talk about that in just a second. But um, I'd be curious, being as involved as I was in the prep landscape uh, in, in the last couple of years, not as much since uh, since Blake and Ski and Eric have, have kind of taken over our coverage for that. What's your favorite like high school place or high school game that, that you've covered? Like, is it one of the football playoff games, one of the big basketball rivalries, volleyball? Uh, what What is it? Do you have one or two that are maybe sticking out to you after you've been here for a little over a year? 
man, doing state championships at Ford Field is really cool. Mm-hmm. That's a super cool thing because there are a lot of states where the state championship sites are scattered. So, you know, for class one or class A or whatever you want to call it, they're way west. And then number two is south. And, and you're just in maybe these kind of division two college stadiums or even do you want, you know, whatever it is, but to do it at Ford field, that is a super cool environment. It's a really cool feeling. The fact that they can get them all done in two days. I, I, I love that we've been, we've had the opportunity to go cover teams there two years in a row. Mm-hmm. I think that's awesome. Um, for basketball, some of the rivalries are, are really fun. What we've got in Saginaw there, you know, the Midland rivalries are great. I like, Watching watching Beecher play, watching Carmen play, watching those teams is incredibly entertaining. Graham Blank now with Ty Rogers and, and one of the best players in the country for his age. Um, there's some great basketball in this area. Yeah. And it's it's really fun to watch. Cool. Um, so I don't know if there's one moment that sticks out. I, I mean, for the, for the uniqueness of the walk-off triple play that mm. I mentioned a few minutes ago, mm-hmm. That's something you'll you never think you're going to see a triple play even. So for it to be to win a state championship with wow. Unionville Steve Wing, that was the coolest thing I've ever seen. For for doing this job, whatever you know, just shocked. Hmm. So that was that stands out. That's that's great. Yeah, I know. I saw I saw that on Twitter. You know, that day or the mm-hmm. day after when it happened, just how amazing that that play was, and that went national. Oh like yeah, that that was something that uh, everybody picked up on to win a state championship on a triple play. Right, that's, that's pretty cool. Uh, okay, so the the big sports topic I did want to get to is the outsider's perspective of Michigan football. We talk about Michigan football a lot on this show, and too for, much for Blake and I as Michigan State fans. We probably don't paint the the brightest picture around Michigan football. We paint and, the accurate picture. Come on, easy. <laughs> okay, so I'm not gonna tr- I'm not gonna <laughs> try and tense. trigger anybody, but um, being an outsider, knowing who Jim Harbaugh was before he came to Michigan. Um, and not having any personal ties or connections to the state, how would you gauge how Jim Harbaugh is doing at Michigan with, one, knowing who he was before, and, two, becoming familiar with the tradition and expectation at Michigan football? Well, the expectation is national national championship or bust, right? That's for every what, for every fan. That's what it seems to be, whether that's accurate or not, because they haven't been there in no, over 20 years. It's it's not accurate. You're a step below that, right? You should, with the right pieces and everything falling your way, you 100% have the caliber to do it, mm-hmm. but the season is not a failure if you don't get there. And I think what bothers me most when it comes to Michigan football is hearing people say, we need to get rid of Harbaugh. Well, what are you going to do that's better? There are so many programs across the country that would give up everything for 10 wins a year. That's hard to find. Now, getting to 11, folks 12, in Kansas would. Sure. Yeah. yeah. From yeah, Back at Topeka. they've got their they guy. Yeah. Come on. Uh, people yeah. in Texas would. Yeah. You know, I mean, TCU was the one that was doing it for a long time. Like mm. ten wins is doesn't just happen. You no. don't roll out of bed and get ten. No, wins. No, because how many teams go eight and four, eight and five, whatever it is, and that's a good year for them, and mm-hmm. they're you know flirting with the top twenty-five. Michigan State would take that right now. Right. You know? So I get it. He hasn't beat Ohio State. The expectation is national championship or at least the playoff. Right, I get that. But also, at the same time, what are you going to go get? You're not going to go convince Nick Saban to come here. Mm. You know, Dabo's not leaving. So, I I think Harbaugh's a good coach. I think it it starts in recruiting, and 
the expectation should be, hey, if we get 10 wins, that's a good year. Let's hope something breaks our way and we can get to 11 or 12 or keep going or, or end up in the playoffs. So from what I'm hearing, Blake, is he Jonathan's putting Jim Harbaugh in the top five or ten coaches in America, which I think a lot of people would would side with and agree that that's probably where Jim Harbaugh would slot in, top ten coaches in the country. If you fire him after winning nine or ten games, are you going to go get someone higher on this top ten list than Jim Harbaugh? You'd have to get pretty lucky. Yeah. It would have to be a situation where it's some unproven guy who just – vaults up into the national spotlight by doing something crazy. I don't think there's an established coach ahead of Jim Harbaugh right now that is available to anybody, Mm -hmm. really, let alone Michigan, unless Urban Meyer is going to come back. That's the only one, and I think the odds of him coaching Michigan are about one in a billion. Yeah. So other than that, yeah, you're kind of stuck with, with Harbaugh. And at some point, there may come a time where you say, look, We've kind of plateaued at 10 wins a year. We're trying to get to more, and they might at, you know, whenever it is, whoever makes the decisions might say, let's try something else, right? Mm-hmm. Because if, if you can only get so far and it's the same thing every year, well, we've got to try something else. How long is that leash? But I don't think 10 wins a year is something to be mad about either. Mm-hmm. I think Losing to Ohio State every year does hurt, right? <laughs> like, I, I, I get yeah, that. I yeah. 100% understand It doesn't that. help that it's the 12th game of the year, so it's right. always it's, the last taste in your mouth. Yeah. If it, were, if it happened in week two, would it be different? Yeah, maybe. Would the feeling, the sentiment be different? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think history will look back on Harbaugh and be more, more fond oh, than yeah. how we look at him right now because of kind of what Jonathan said. If you get 10 wins every year... For 99% of the programs in America, that is very good, and mm-hmm. that's the standard that they would kill for. And I think when we look back 20, 30 years from now, we'll say, yeah, I mean, that was that was a pretty good run in Michigan football unless they get that next Nick Saban and just become this ridiculous dynasty. So uh, there really isn't much higher that Michigan or any program could really go. It just feels disappointing because of how much false expectations have been put on them Mm -hmm. and if you go back and I mean Nick Saban I mean this is a disappointing year for Alabama because they missed the playoff Mm. that's their their threshold right there you miss the playoff one time and and people are mad and nobody's calling for Saban to be fired but oh my goodness how could Alabama miss the playoff this is four teams get in right there's four out of 100 and what 25 130 schools whatever it is now Mm mm-hmm Maybe something breaks your way this year, Michigan fans. I don't know. I can't predict the future, but for your sake, I hope so. So, And for, I guess, Harbaugh's sake, if you want him to stick around, you better hope something happens before people get even more mad. Yes. Uh, Jim Harbaugh's former employer, the San Francisco 49ers, in the Super Bowl this year, Super Bowl 54, Sunday against the Kansas City Chiefs. We break down the big game with the four of us next here on the Offseason Podcast. Back here on the Offseason Podcast, episode 188, Matt Blake-Brad joined by Jonathan Deutsch from MidMichigan Now. That's NBC 25 and Fox 66. We're presented by Kugels. It's the Snowdrift Vanilla Porter. Get yours today from Kugels. Welcome to the liney side. Uh, we roll along, and this point we want to dip into the Super Bowl. Super Bowl 54 coming up on Sunday in Miami, the San Francisco 49ers, and the Kansas City Chiefs. And... Blake, I think a good place to start would be kind of the notion that the the 49ers defense is going to be too 
too stout for Pat Mahomes to to move the ball with the Kansas City Chiefs. I feel like that's the narrative that's being spread out right now that the Chiefs are trying to be played as the underdog, even though Pat Mahomes and and him at quarterback and the offense that Andy Reid runs, I think they can beat just about anybody, no matter the defense on the field. Would you agree that that's kind of the feeling around this game right now, that the 49ers are the more popular pick heading into Sunday? More people think San Francisco and the way that defense plays can slow down Kansas City? Well, the Chiefs are one-and-a-half-point favorites. Yes. So That's the money line. That's not that's what people are saying, but that's what the money's at. Fair. I think Kansas City's offense is good enough to beat any defense. Now, what I could see happening is San Francisco maybe getting a couple early stops. Mm-hmm. Maybe, uh, you know, the San, San Francisco goes up 14 nothing just because Kansas City's fallen behind the past couple games. The only difference being this is the best defense that Kansas City has faced, and San Francisco's offense holds the ball almost longer than any other team because of how good their run game is. Kansas City d- defense is not that good. So, mm-hmm. The comeback effort almost can't happen for Kansas City. They have to get up early, and I think they can do that with big playability because of how mobile Pat Mahomes is. And mobile quarterbacks have had success against San Francisco. They lost to Seattle and Baltimore with Russell Wilson and Lamar Jackson. Not that Mahomes is that good of a runner, but he is very good outside of the pocket. So I think that's one weakness of the 49ers that the Chiefs will exploit. Okay, 49ers, three losses in overtime to Seattle, to Baltimore, and to Atlanta by a combined 13 points, so all close losses, uh, the only times the 49ers have been beaten this year. Uh, Chiefs, four losses by a combined 23 points. They lost to Indy, Houston, Green Bay, and Tennessee. Brad, Andy Reid in his 21st season as a head coach does not have a Super Bowl under his belt yet. He's 61. Kyle Shanahan is the the opposite end of the spectrum in his third year as a head coach, just 40 years old. Is that kind of an interesting talking point heading into the game, the the juxtaposition of the two coaches? Because I feel like America is going to be rooting for Andy Reid and kind of the everyman story to have him win a Super Bowl after being in it for over 20 years. Yeah, I think most people will be cheering for Kansas City, just because they're the more likable brand of football, uh, they have the MVP, they have uh, the the lovable, heavier set head coach that, like you said, every every man like that. That's part of it. And Wearing Hawaiian shirts to media day, like just right. just a, a guy just hanging out, and he actually just <laughs> knows how to coach football. That's just the the. Just the, a dude. The vibe yeah. you get eating around cheeseburgers after wins. Yeah, just your boy eating cheese puffs. He compared in the his gr- he compared his grandchildren to barbecue. I think today or yes, sweet, sa- sweet sweet sour, sour pork. That's right. Disgusting. He definitely did that. Wow. Uh, I grew up. He is an everyday man. <laughs> I grew up an Eagles fan just because they were fun to play with on Madden. And back when Andy <laughs> Reid was there, I used to love playing with them and Donovan McNabb and Terrell Owens and that team. Ryan Westbrook. Ryan Res- Westbrook. So I have a very distant, distant like one sixteenth connection to Andy Reid. <laughs> Uh, that's uh, where my rooting interest is. Fair enough. Uh, Jonathan, uh, where where do you lie <laughs> heading into Super Bowl 54, Super Bowl LIV on Sunday? Uh, I'm going to lean Chiefs. Okay. Um, I think Andy Reid is such a, a an innovator offensively, along with Eric Bieniemy, the offensive coordinator. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is a freak of nature. They've got speed. They've got size. Travis Kelsey is a problem. But that San Francisco defense is so good. Mm-hmm. Um Spotlight I'm, will be on Andrew Wiley, former uh, Midland Kemick on that oh, offensive line. Is he going to be playing? I think. Well, I know he was he was traveling and hoping to play after the AFC Championship. Right, he was right, hoping right, to play. Okay. Eric Fisher, left tackle, CMU product. Right. Okay. I, I, okay. 
for some reason, I it's been 60 years, 50 years, whatever it has been for the Chiefs. For, you know, they, they did this a couple of years ago in Kansas City with the Royals. It had been a long time, and they made a miracle run. Not that this is a miracle, because I think mm. they're... Honestly, this probably should be Mahomes' second Super Bowl. Mm. Uh, you know, they were one drive by Tom Brady and Gronk away from being there whenever it was last year or two years ago. So One offside away. Yeah, so... Tough. Um, I don't know. I'm leaning Chiefs, but I also really would not be surprised, obviously, if San Francisco won, and I think it'll be a really fun game. It's... Um, Maybe one of the, in for for me personally, one of the most anticipated Super Bowls in the last four or five years. Hmm. Just really excited to see two teams we haven't seen there in a long, long time, and and someone not the Patriots. Yeah, it's kind of fun, right? Yeah, here's some a, a different name. I would agree. I think that's why I'm leaning a little more to the excited side of this Super Bowl. Just Pat Mahomes, and you know, you don't get to watch him maybe every single week if you don't consume yourself with the NFL every Sunday, like these two jokers do on Sundays with red zone. So they, they get Pat Mahomes all what? day, all fall. Man, it, must be, it must be nice to be off on a Sunday. That was well, a side swipe. Well, I just, I don't commit my Sundays to watching eight hours of football. Hold so on, you, you, you watch, watch the lions and then you're done. <laughs> what do you do on a Sunday? I watch the lions once in a while, but if there are other plans or other things to do, I don't sit down and what and would you watch. plan on a Sunday? <sighs> wow. We're just See, taking it. We're taking my, heavy hitters. Over my here. point was going to be that we are not in the minority by watching Red Zone. I know you're not. <laughs> millions and millions of people do it every that's, Sunday. That's the bias there for Matt. Yeah. He hates that we watch Red Zone. Is it just because yeah, do. you don't have it? They they give up on the Lions. Like If I can have a free Sunday, I will watch the Lions. You're committed to hard. one game. I commit to the Got Lions. It. They commit to Red Zone. They no. commit to any team inside the 20-yard line. They commit right. to Got their it. fantasy football team. Well, no, uh, I don't do it for that. Uh, I you, can't, you, have, you have three or four mm, teams. It's coming, you can't give up on the Lions if you never started on the Lions. Here it comes. So, yeah, so you're never <laughs> welcome me. back either. Good. Ooh, there it is. No room on the bandwagon I, I see, for you. I see this note you have on the sheet. Did you want to read that about the Lions? No, I'll go this this way first. Okay. Uh, 49ers, 5-1 and one all-time in Super Bowls. Do you know their only loss? Oh, that's a good uh, To the Ravens. Yeah, what year? 2013? 2012, yeah. Mm. But it was the blackout day in right. the Superdome. Mm, uh, that was 2013. That's what he said. Was the Super Bowl in it was 2013? The 2012 season for uh, the Super so Bowl I was in right. 2013. When was the loss? 2013. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Chiefs won and won all time <laughs> in Super Bowls. They lost in Super Bowl one to the Packers, beat the Vikings in Super Bowl four. Yes, Blake, there is a Lions note. They have not made it to an NFL <laughs> championship game in 62 years. The Jets are the next closest at 51. Mm. So why would anybody want to Hitch their bandwagon to the Lions. I don't know. Why did my parents watch the Lions with me when I was a kid? Why did your dad watch the Lions with you? It was punishment. Oh, I bet that's what it was. Isn't yeah. it interesting how, how hot it gets in here? How oh, you're with oh, that, yeah. <laughs> but how your fandom as a child is purely based on geography a lot of times? Yeah, well, I it's, think it's more based on what you were raised on. Which probably... You're a product of your environment. You want right. to aspire mm -hmm. to be... Like your the public school system you get afforded. It's where you're born, you know? <laughs> right, it's just lottery, I guess. Okay. Yeah, you better oh, socioeconomic <laughs> over here on the other side. I guess you better hope your your parents move to Boston when you're born, as opposed to you know Kansas City or whatever. I guess. I don't know. I think Brad. I think Brad is just stalling until picks come around because he's ready for for picks. And, and oh, you got some money on the line this week? No. We've been we've been making picks since uh, football started in the fall. Who won? So. Blake and I are in competition for the championship. Do the we have Do we have updated numbers? Yeah, we'll yes. have it uh, on the other side of the timeout when we Ooh, come back. Pick nice. six and quick hits next. We'll wrap it up on the offseason podcast. 
Final segment here on the Offseason Podcast, mm. presented by Leinen Kugels. It's the Snowdrift Vanilla Porter. Get it with Leinen Kugels. Welcome to the Liney side. Matt DeVries, Blake Froling, Brad Sunny, the usual suspects here inside the ESPN 100.9 FM studios. Jonathan Deutsch from Mid Michigan Now, NBC 25, and Fox 66, our guest in studio this week. Episode 188, the radio station on Twitter is ESPN 1009. The radio station. Uh, online, ESPN1009.com. We do pick six, mm. Jonathan, to wrap up the show every single week. Um, we've been making picks since September, That's right. and this is the last week. Yep. This is how we decide who our picks champion is. There is literally nothing riding literally. on this. Uh, bragging rights is about the only thing that we are playing for, but bragging rights very important around these parts. Mm. Um, I had a great week last week. I went five and one. Mm-hmm. Ooh, Brad went week. three and three. Mm. Blake went two and four, and our producer, Josh Baker, who's not with us this week on Thursday since he's normally with us on Fridays, he missed out on the extra point last week, so he was 0-1. So you asked, and you shall receive, Jonathan. Uh, overall standings, Brad Tunney mm. and Blake Froling are tied for the lead. Oh, my goodness. At 55 After and 48. After these weeks, you believe that? That's crazy. Tied. I just can't believe you're eating yogurt with a knife. Slum. That is the <laughs> craziest thing. That's the craziest thing. Get a thing. spoon, you animal. That's right. I would agree with Require that. Require walking to the pantry. I am a game back at 54 <laughs> and 49. So One game. He goodness. stormed back. You guys are very consistent. So so do you feel like once the picks are made that you have to disagree with two of them? I said that last week or two weeks ago when I was making my picks. I purposefully went against them because I needed to make up ground. He was so far back like a month ago. He started doing it then. So far back means I was back by like four games. Uh, quite quite the like run. Six games. Quite the know. run, though. It is. Okay. So I have uh, I have the, the pick with the spread for the Super Bowl. I have the over-under, and then I have four prop bets. Now, I didn't get any feedback. Why should I be surprised? I don't. I read it, Always and I was okay with all of this. <laughs> so do you, do, are you okay with the bonuses? Since, yeah, it, since it's multiple choice, yeah. you'll get an extra win if you mm-hmm. somehow hit the nail on the head and get it right. Multiple that choice. Will, so does that count as a loss if you get it wrong? No. So it won't count as a loss if anybody gets it, it wrong, but if you can you. get it right, you get an extra win <sighs> on your record, which is why I have the note at the bottom. Champion will be determined by best picks win percentage. Mm. Do we all agree to this these terms? I like this. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, whatever. You will. You can jump in with these picks this week so you can see how... Right, I haven't even do. looked in that box yet, so I don't even know what they are. So you're going to get... Instant Great. pick with no studying. Okay, cue so, the music. So if you have music or music, if you have money and you're relying on my picks, it's not my fault. That's Entertainment okay. purposes only. That's right. All right, we start uh, with the game. It's legal now. The Chiefs are one and a half point favorites in the 54th Super Bowl. Do we have the Niners or the Chiefs? I'm going Niners. I will take the Niners with the Chiefs favored by one and a half. Blake, you're up. I'm going to have to go San Francisco as well. Brad? Excellent analysis by both of you. <laughs> we got a lot of picks to get through. I, uh, I've reached a point in the season where I, especially for this game, I'll be making picks based on my rooting interest. He's so Kansas confident. City. And I want to see the Chiefs win. So I'm going to take the Chiefs, even though I'll say this about the Niners. They play a brand of football that I played in Madden when I was a kid. Great. This is the analysis. Uh, always <laughs> comes back to I'm, Madden. I'm running the ball a ton. On offense, we're holding the ball, long what time a possession. Boring way to play yeah, a video game. People hated playing me. People hated it. Mm-hmm. Take but, a knee going into halftime on the Oh, Oh, one hundred percent. You're always taking three points. That's right. <laughs> I'm. Uh, I've got the Chiefs 
Minus one and a half. Uh, Jimmy G and the Niners are getting one and a half. What do you got, Jonathan? I will take the Chiefs. I think Patrick Mahomes is pretty darn good at football. Mm. Good analysis. The over-under for this one <laughs> is 54 and a half. And I think it will be low scoring despite uh, the Chiefs and the numbers that they can put up, especially what they did. They hung uh, over 50 on Houston. Uh, but I think it'll it'll be under 54 and a half in the Super Bowl. Blake, you made fun of me, outright made fun of me for taking the under in the national championship yep. game. He's always looking aside. You play. said, I think verbatim, never take the under. And here we are. What are you taking? The wow. over. Okay. I just want the want you to be exposed for that. You gotta have a little more fire if you're gonna come back at me like that. And, that was well done. I think it was, it was well done. Hurtful. Five of the last seven Super Bowls. Under. Hit the over. Ooh. I'm gonna take the over. Oh, okay. I thought you were San, gonna... San Francisco's been playing some high-scoring football games last couple of weeks of the regular season. 48-46 against the Saints. 29-22 Falcons. 34-31 Rams. 37-20 against the Packers. I'm going over. Yep. Over, Jonathan? Over. Okay. Because of my analysis? I think the Chiefs are going to score okay. 181 points, so just take care of it themselves. In honor of Kobe. Okay. Demi Lovato singing the national anthem. Didn't know that till right now. The favorite right now is her to go over two minutes. What do we think? Over two minutes or under two minutes? I think it'll go over two. This is like the biggest opportunity for Demi Lovato in her career. So, McGregor, she sung, she sang the Super Bowl is the biggest event in the world every single year. If you go by just strictly whoa, 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 people consuming, I think she's like a world renowned recording artist. I don't think she needs the Super yeah, Bowl. Yeah, who, who are you sliding? Are 54 over million people watching her concerts every night? Demi Lovato, no. kind of a queen. I'm, this is not taken away from Demi no, Lovato. Sounds like you're, I mean, you just said this is the best, biggest my, opportunity in her career. Yes, it's the biggest opportunity mm. for anybody who's ever sang the national anthem. Yeah, sure. So sure. Gladys Knight last yeah, year, sure. big opportunity for Gladys Knight last year. So you're saying she's done something bigger than the Super I'm Bowl? I'm saying I've not heard anything from her in the last year That's because she's sang the at the joint. Super Bowl. These two guys are nice. So because of that, you've got to milk it for all it's worth. But give me the over. Wow. All right, I've got a lot of hard-hitting stuff here. Okay. Mayweather-McGregor was 2 minutes 11 seconds for Demi. Yep. It's definitely going on her 2015 World Series National Anthem, 158. Wow. 2011 World Series, 149. She's getting two fast. World Series. It was, it was cold out there. Demi Lovato, 2008 NFL game, 1 minute 53 seconds. So in her four nationally big-time national anthems, three of the four have gone under. Now, one of the big keys here is whether or not she'll be singing keys, an acapella. Keys, or music. Mm-hmm. With That's music. Yeah. I would hope it's acapella. I would she hope. prefers it to be acapella. But if they put music with her, it may quicken her a little bit yes. because she likes to take long pauses. Yes. I think this is really tough because Unless of she's it. not even really singing and she's pre-recorded the whole thing to music and it could be as long as or she Or what wants. if there's a long music intro or a long sound yeah. hold note at the end? it starts with when she starts singing. And That's I'll say this question. too. Correct. And I'll say this too. Last four national anthems have all gone under. Five of the last six all under. But what scares me you have a problem is the fact that the money line here is minus 220 for the over plus 180 for the under. They know something. Yeah, that it's probably going to go over. I'll take the under based on the history and and I'll take the under. Jonathan, over under right, 2 minutes with Demi Lovato on the national anthem. It's getting over under oh. how long this is. Yeah, Brad, <laughs> Brad just took more than 2 minutes to review national anthem, so I'm going to take the under. Fair enough. 
Okay. <laughs> Which team will score first, San Francisco or Kansas City? I'm taking the Chiefs first. Wow, taking the Chiefs to score first, but then lose. <laughs> yeah, that happens sometimes. Wait to hear my next answer. In as well. what? You're going to say safety. Uh, Chiefs or Niners, scoring first? Chiefs. Brad? This is an interesting one, right? No. No, just just give <laughs> us the answer. Yes no. it's, it's literally 110 straight up. You, there's Vegas isn't favoring one or the other. Over the other. San Francisco has scored in the first quarter a lot. It's not about who scores. They've they've also, wait, wait, wait. I need, You've got 15 seconds. I need stats on the first. I, I need stats they've on also the coin scored toss. first in both of their playoff games and in their final regular season game. I think San Francisco is one of those offenses, even though they only run the football, right? That... You may think it's easy to stop, but when it comes to their zone rushing attack, you need to see it a little bit before you're able to stop it. it takes until halftime, maybe. I think they score first before the Chiefs are able to mount a comeback. I think the Chiefs will get the ball first. Yeah, here's the thing. That? We didn't study San Francisco's coin toss ability, and if they win it, they'll probably defer, meaning the Chiefs get the ball first and score first. I didn't go coin toss here. I could have, but I, I don't I care. I, I don't want to bet on that. I wanted to know is if they the... win the toss or lose the see, toss. Well, I just can't believe the coin toss is not here. In all of this, did you take San Francisco to score first? Yes. Again. Okay. I take the Chiefs. Do you want coin toss in here? It no. should be. I mean, this Let's is. Let's put it in the bonus. What kind of prop bets are these? Put it in the bonus. Ooh! Here he comes. <laughs> What's the first score of the game going to be? A touchdown or a field goal slash safety combined? So touchdown is the favorite. I think Chiefs field goal will be the first score of the game. So I'm going field goal. Oh, layup. I'm going touchdown. Yeah. I think you got to go for it you in the Super Bowl. You got a seven and a zero in the squares. You'd be looking good if you're Blake Froling. I never really got the whole squares. What do you? Uh, mean? Money to be made in squares, <laughs> Blake. Money to what be do made. You mean? <laughs> also, it's not a it? hard concept to understand. I, so. What the hell is wrong with you? I don't think I've maybe played squares once in my life. You don't really play it. You, okay, I've, I've just participated in it maybe bought, once. Bought squares. Yeah, I. Brad, we want touchdown or uh, or not touchdown? Let's do squares for basketball. Okay, I'm taking the uh, I'm taking the favorite here, which is the touchdown. Hey, Jonathan, I think one team's gonna forget to show up, and it'll be one nothing. Nope, that's not how it works. That's how a forfeit works. Nope. No, it's two nothing. I thought. Nope. I-, I want a real answer. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take a touchdown. Okay. Even though I'm kind I of, think the kind goal against myself. I think the goal is to score touchdowns, and they're gonna try to do that. That would be the goal. Last of the pick six total touchdowns in the game, over or under six oh, and a half. That's so a lot. are we thinking thinking high scoring, low scoring? What do we what do we think? Going with the theme and going against uh, what Blake Froling uh, pleasantly reminded you of, I'm gonna go under. I think lower scoring game in this one with the way San Francisco plays defense. I take the under, I which is the favorite. I'm uh it's not your turn yet, so wait. <laughs> I just I, I'm taking I the, don't like the fact that there's like two of the same prop bets on here. I'll take the over. Oh, I see. I see what you're over under and total touchdowns. Yeah. Well you just get a lot of field goals. A little sketchy there. If you take the under for touchdowns, you should take the under for over under overall. Or you hedge your bets. Or you hedge your bets. So what do you take? You could your possibly bet? lose both. I'm taking the over. Thank you. I already said that. You're taking the over? Yeah. Well, you see, in the last six I've got the over. Now then? Uh, Six touchdowns a lot, but that's 
four and three would be seven. Yes, so four yeah, by right. one and three by the other. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'll take the over. Let's have some fun. Let's hope for a shootout. Yeah. Your picks it. don't really matter, so, you know. That's why I'm right. really not studying. Right. Okay. We come to the bonus round. I which, didn't even know this was happening. If you get one of these right, <laughs> it is worth one extra win in the final standings. You are not penalized if you get it wrong, since this is a multiple choice answer. This could change the game. Blake has a teacher. Blake has a theory on Gatorade that I do want to hear at some point once this pick is in. You said you had a theory and you knew what you were going to pick. Furrowed brow tells me you don't remember your theory. I changed. Okay. All right. I'm going yellow or lemon lime. That is going to be my classic. uh, My prediction for Gatorade color on the win for the winning team. Blake, color of Gatorade. So I did have a theory that it was was always the same color. I'm not going to say which color it was. I don't want to influence anybody's picks. But can I just demand that you share this theory because you've teased <laughs> it now for two weeks and you just tell me what it is? Because no, no. it's not going to influence Brad whatsoever. This is pretty What's good What's the radio? theory? I'm sure he's got it. No, based on his research for everything else, he's got to have Gatorade color research, right? What's your pick? What's your pick, I'm man? going red. Because both Ooh, teams red have red in, at plus in their color. Got a great pick there. <laughs> we should add the odds in for the future when we make these picks like this. <laughs> so we can really, even if it's not something you really think is going to happen, get better odds and help out with the standings. From a guy who hasn't done squares, he wants odds I'm still waiting. Gatorade. I, I'm still waiting on his Gatorade theory. Yeah, I really want this. We'll what is get it? He won't tell us. It Why? Was, it was like the same color for like five years ago. And what was it? not really a theory. I didn't say it was a theory. He said it was a theory. Two weeks ago, a theory is something <laughs> Blake that's says, I have a theory on Gatorade. These two, man. All right, Brad, tell us what the odds say. So, here's the history, right? Last year it was blue for the Patriots, yellow for the Eagles. There was no Gatorade for the Patriots in Super Bowl 51. For four consecutive years, this is probably what Blake was talking about, Super Bowl 39-42, to 42, Pat Steelers, Colts, Giants, it was clear. Clear is typically the odds-on favorite coming into the year. Water. That's because it's water. Got it. Or Sprite. Doubt it's Sprite. Right. <laughs> There's no way to know. So... The odds-on favorite this year is purple. Mm-hmm. What do you mean, mm-hmm? Because I got the odds right here. <laughs> I looked at the odds before we started. Purple is a minus 120. The red is second at plus 350. Clear water is plus 800. Clear water. What about ice Easy. <laughs> Except it hasn't been purple since Super Bowl 46. Somehow that's the odds-on favorite. There's something here. I'm going purple. What if it's Powerade? I, I'm gonna go with water. There. So clear or and or water. Noted. Is there clear Gatorade? Yes. I mean, it's like whitish. Well, that that's. Yeah, white is not clear. All right, who's your MVP? Uh, this is worth one extra in the final standings. If you can name the MVP, good for you. I go Jimmy G. I think the just awful. I think the Niners. Will beat the Chiefs, and I think they will go starting quarterback for MVP, Jimmy G. Yeah, starting quarterback usually gets the benefit of the doubt, even when they don't truly deserve it. Hopefully he throws more than 10 passes if he wins MVP. That's kind of the problem. He's kind of been doing a whole lot of nothing. 27 passes in two playoffs. Getting out of the way, which is not necessarily a bad thing. I'm going Pat Mahomes, just with the biggest favorite I could possibly ever think of. There you go. Got to win, though. Oh, boy. Pat Mahomes comes in at a tight plus 115. Okay. First non-quarterback is Raheem Mostert, who obviously had the big performance wow. last uh, two weeks ago. 
Uh, no, Pat Mahomes. Easy pick here. Easy pick. Harrison Butker. Okay. Or <laughs> or comes in at a tight. <laughs> yeah. Plus ten thousand. I might. That pays Chief, well. Chiefs kicker, but I also want to go off the board with Laurent Duvernay Tardif. The offensive guard, who is the first medical doctor to play in a Super Bowl. That's right, and they wouldn't. You let can't him even bet on the back. You can't even bet on. Do you so, have a pick? I just told you, Harrison Butker or Dustin Colquitt, but probably Harrison you Butker. You had to pick one. I'm going at plus ten thousand odds with the kicker because my picks don't matter. Harrison Butker. That's a good point. We get to quick hits and wrap up this week's episode of the Offseason Podcast presented by Lining Kugels, and we lead off with the latest from Brad Tunney with Northwood Basketball. So, uh, last week, the men won a game on the road against Wayne State. That was a big one. Both the men and the women are on the outside looking in at the GLIAC tournament right now, the men a little closer. Uh, Michigan Tech and Northern Michigan this week. We record on a Thursday. They played Michigan Tech, if you're looking at, uh, listening on a Friday night on the radio yesterday. Uh, Michigan Tech has an uh, outstanding player, Kyle Monroe, who had 53 points in a game last week. Good Lord. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Blake, the latest with Michigan State. They destroyed Northwestern. I mean, what good a, for them. What a terrible program. They really haven't been able to capitalize since they made the NCAA tournament for the first time ever, which is also hard to believe. Uh, they also beat Minnesota on the road, which was a solid program win. They've got Wisconsin again on Saturday. Brad Davison may be the dirtiest player in college basketball. Since Grayson Allen. Uh, Michigan Hoops win over Nebraska this week. They've got Rutgers at Chrysler on Saturday, 4.30 on BTN. Then the Buckeyes next Thursday, 7 p.m. on ESPN2. One week from tomorrow, Spartans at Wolverines, February 8th, high noon on Fox. So the uh, the return leg of Michigan and Michigan State down at Chrysler a week from Saturday. Get you ready for this weekend in Michigan sports. Both Michigan State and Michigan are in action on Saturday. The Pistons are hosting Toronto tonight, and they host Denver on Sunday. Now four and a half games out of the eight seed. Hornets and Wizards are right with the Pistons in the East standings. That's not where you want to be with those mm-hmm. two teams. Mm-hmm. And they would say they don't want to be at the Pistons. That's true. Uh, still have a 13-point lead on the number one pick in the 2020 NHL draft for the Detroit Red Wings. Every mock draft has Alexis Lafreniere as the top prospect mm-hmm. going to the Nailed Red it. Wings. He's an 18-year-old left wing, left winger, uh, a forward, for lack of a better term, from Quebec. Deutsch, any thoughts on uh, this guy? Nope. The Saginaw Spirit are in second place in the <laughs> OHL's Western Conference response. with 62 points. That's one point behind the Kitchener Rangers. The Ottawa 67s have 72 points uh, in the East, so Spirit having another really good year. Any update on the, the Firebirds down by you guys? Uh, it, they started really, really well, and they've kind of leveled off a bit, but yeah. um, I think they still have talent. They can make a run, mm-hmm. but uh, they're going to need to... Getting get gear, gear, yeah, a little bit because we're you know time's running out. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dow Tennis Classic is coming up next week. That comes to the Greater Midland Tennis Center on uh, on Monday. I think the press conference and then play starts Monday afternoon. Uh, finals are on Sunday. Anybody going to? I'll this? be there Sunday. Food provided by One Eighteen. Great. Excited to get after that. Dow that, Diamond provides the menu. Is that the, the reason you're going? No, I'm going because it's Championship Sunday. Oh, okay. I think interest will be a little higher this year. One. First year that it's on the Tennis Channel, which is pretty big. Yep. Secondarily, 
Coco Goff's appearance last year, I would hope, instill more uh, 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 interest in it this year because Coco has, within a year, turned into one of the biggest stars, tennis stars in the world. Made a nice run this week. Yeah. And she's still just 15, 15 years old. Yeah. And uh, an American who I can't remember her name, but she eliminated Ashley Barty, the hometown number one player in the world from Australia, yeah, was playing night. for a chance to mm. go to a final. Yeah, that's right. And uh, she lost to an American girl. So now an American back in the finals, not Serena Williams, not Coco Goff, not Madison Keys. It's a, it's a newcomer, which is which is pretty cool. So Can't trust Aust- Australian tennis players, I guess. Guess not. You're going to be covering the tournament for 25 and I, 66? I believe we will have... A presence up there. Make sure to do our best to cover mm-hmm. that. So if you mm-hmm. miss anything, we got you covered. Sophia Kennan. That's it. Yeah. It is. Watched the beginning of that one last night. <clears throat> Molly Davis, 25 points in double overtime in the Central Michigan women's win over Buffalo. Don't forget Michaela Kelly had a triple-double, 14 points, 10 assists, and 10 rebounds before fouling out in overtime. But how about that? A big win on the road at Buffalo Heather Osterley, listen to this, 15-4 and overall and 8-0 and in conference play to start her tenure as the head coach of the Central Michigan women's program. They host Ohio, who are 6-2 and in the MAC on Saturday. You have to like the start by, uh, by the CMU women this year. Here's the thing about Molly Davis that I don't think she gets enough credit for because every time I look at the box score, obviously you look at her shooting, you look at her numbers, but the fact that she plays 39 or 40 minutes a game most of the time mm-hmm. is incredible. That as a freshman, they cannot afford to take her off the floor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we and had she a- never gets tired. We had Adam Jackson uh, in studio last week, and he was he was kind of talking. Presley Hudson has just left the program yeah. in the spring and or last spring, and she's the all-time leading scorer at CMU. And I think for us locally, people in Midland and in the Valley familiar enough with Molly's talent that we thought, okay, she could maybe challenge some of the records that Presley has. And Presley rewrote the record books in Mount Pleasant with the women. Molly off to an excellent start and well on her way, you know, barring any anything uh, happening with her career. If she's there for a solid four years and can stay healthy, she's going to have a, a, a wonderful career uh, for the Chippewas. Uh, Central Michigan men are 4-2. and two. They bounced back from the loss to Buffalo with a 71-66 win over Ball State last week. Their midweek game at Miami was postponed due to the, due to the coronavirus. Uh, so they won't play. They're making that up at the end of the month in February. Uh, they're at Western Michigan, who are 2-5 and five on Saturday. Interesting to see a basketball game be postponed. Doesn't happen very often, right? That you would see... Is it two reported cases, I think, are maybe right. on yeah. campus or something mm-hmm. like that? So Two kids uh, that have just come back from China. Is that what it was? I think mm-hmm. so. Okay, so CMU in action at Western. Catch Adam Jackson on the Chippewa Sports Network on the radio. That'll also be on ESPN3 or ESPN+, Plus, but it'll be available on the ESPN app. Last thing, programming reminders. We'll get you out of here next Tuesday. Michigan State at Penn State. Or Michigan State, Penn State. At 8 p.m. Uh, on Tuesday night, Wednesday, Pistons, Suns on the radio. Thursday, Northwood makes the trip to Lake Superior State. Coverage starts at 6. Friday night, Heritage and Dow Girls with Blake Froling at 6.45. And then Saturday, a double dip, Michigan, Michigan State, Northwood at Ferris. You'll be there for that, Northwood Ferris? That's right. Looking forward to it. Jonathan, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. We should do this again in about 140 episodes or whatever it was last time. I think a lot sooner than that, but 100 episodes. Oh, 100 episodes? Okay. I have you back for uh, episode 250. I can't wait to be back next July. Can't wait. Appreciate it. <laughs> That's it for this edition of ESPN 100.9 FM's The Offseason Podcast. Follow Station on Twitter at ESPN1009. Until we talk to you next time, Blake, Brad, Jonathan, I'm Matt. This has been The Offseason Podcast.
Davis, wake up. The show's over. Oh, yeah. Kick it.